hold your place in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, we uh, started a series a few weeks ago. In fact, uh, this is week number four. And we're talking about the subject, I am not moved. Amen. Amen. Uh, make a little correction. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, last week I sh began to share some things and I barely, barely got into the edge of my notes because the Holy Spirit just took us in a little different direction. But that's okay. Amen. Um, the Bible says that water is a type of the Holy Spirit. Water flows, water moves, amen. And it's just vitally important that we just go with His flow, amen. Sometimes people think that if you flow with God, there's no order. But actually, it's the best order you can have is when you flow with Him, amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, and we're talking about not being moved, and it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast. In other words, faithful. Unmovable. Say unmovable. Unmovable. Now that's important right there. And that's what we're talking about, not being moved. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now I think that's really important to understand that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In fact, the Lord sees everything that we do. There's, there may be some things that other people, never, they, they may not notice or never notice. But the main thing, you can never get God to not notice something that you do for Him in His name. The Scripture even says that if you give someone a glass of water in the name of the Lord, that you'll in no wise lose your reward. Amen? And so, we're talking about some steps about not being moved. And, and like I said in the beginning part of this message, as, as we started out, I think... All of us understand that the time and the, the, the era that we live in right now has been really, I'd say in the last 15, 10 to 15 years, it's been, an, it's been a lot of pressure on believers, a lot of pressure. Because the, the world system is, is, is growing, that's controlled by the prince of the power, the air, the demonic, amen. And uh, darkness has been increasing, but the Bible says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee, upon us. Amen? And so we see that gross darkness is in the earth, but we're not moved by that. Okay? We see what the devil's doing with his, his thing and his agenda. There are things that he gets away with now on television that he would have never gotten away with 30 years ago. Okay? But he introduces things slowly and slowly until people grab onto it. Until you, people were watching abominations and stuff in front of their eyes on television. <laughs> Things that would have never been permitted years ago. Well, the enemy knew that, so he had to start with something to introduce it uh, to the world system. That being said, with all the things that are going on, we don't want to magnify what the devil's doing. We want to magnify what God is doing. Now, the Bible says regarding Israel that when they were in Egypt and before they were, you know, set free after 410 years of coming out of Egyptian captivity and slavery. The Bible says that there was, there was a light in Goshen, but there was darkness in Egypt. And they were side by side. God made a clear distinction between Egypt and Israel. He said there was light in Goshen. And that's a type of the church. And even though there's darkness around us, 
There's light in Goshen. There's light in you. There's light in the church. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so we began to talk about some things here about what we can do to cause ourselves to not be moved. And when the first thing that we talked about is to realize it's important what we set before our eyes, what we put before our eyes, what we put in our ears. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, the Bible says this, Paul, the writer of this, uh, this is talking about Paul, says, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. Now, that's not a good thing, is it? In other words, there's, there's stuff going on here. It's not going to, it's going to happen. It's not good. But notice his response to that. Verse 24, he didn't run and hide. He says, but none of these things move me. Hmm. None of these things move me. Now he knew what was up ahead. Jesus even told him when he appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he said this, he goes, I will show Saul how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He didn't suffer sickness and disease. He suffered persecution because of the call that was on his life. Amen? The Apostle Paul considered himself as the least of the apostles. He goes, I was the chief sinner in 1 Timothy. He says, I was the chiefest of sinners, and I'm, I'm the least worthy. And, but he said in other, other parts of his letters, he said, uh, he said I, 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 I labored more than all the apostles. <laughs> you know? I accomplished more than all of them put together. He said, yet not me, but the grace of God that was in me. And we know that Paul had revelation of God's grace working through his weakness, you know. And that's why he would make statements like this. When I am weak, then am I strong. Now that sounds like a, an old-fashioned paradox. When I am weak, then am I strong. But he said that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, therefore, I'll, 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 I'll take joy in infirmities and lack and so forth. He goes, because when I'm weakest, the power of Christ can shine through me the most. So if you feel weak and you feel inept and so forth, you're in a great, great position before God because now He can come through and His grace and His glory can shine on your behalf. Amen? Amen. See, I knew years ago, and I won't go into great detail, but I knew that when, when the Lord was dealing with me about going to the ministry... You've heard me say it. I, I couldn't speak publicly. That was one of the greatest fears I could ever have. And so I argued with the Lord about that, you know, because I felt him call. I couldn't get away from the call of my life, you know. Make a long story short, the Lord finally revealed to me. I was, you know, I was 19, 20 years old. And he spoke to my heart and he says, I, I didn't call you because you were some eloquent speaker. I called you for you to rely upon me so that if whatever you're weak in, I will come through in that area. Amen. And so I began to, now it didn't happen overnight, but I began to lean on that and lean on that because I, I, one of the, some people have different fears. One of my greatest fears, there's a phobia, what they call it, was standing up speaking in front of anybody, okay, in public. Well, I've gotten over that, <laughs> amen. But, uh, but at first it was not easy. I had to face that fear. Never run from your fears, never. Face them head on. I don't care what type of fear you, don't ever run from it. Don't blame somebody else for it. You face that sucker head on. Because with God in you, you can deal with that thing and blow a defeat just like David killed the giant. 
He faced his giant. He, in fact, he ran towards Goliath. He didn't tiptoe. He ran towards Goliath. Praise God. So uh, we got to understand some things here. Paul said this, none of these things move me. We, we prefaced it by saying this too, that anybody that's, that you read about, that we read about in our Bibles, uh, that did anything for God had opposition. All of them did. All of them. People that we read about, David and Moses and Joshua and Caleb and all the Old Testament believers. Paul the Apostle. More than anybody, Jesus had opposition. How many know Jesus had some opposition? He had more opposition than anybody. But he fought through it. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood because of resisting against sin. Resisted. He resisted so that you and I could have the victory today. Now, in Isaiah chapter 50, I want you to go over there for a second here. In Isaiah chapter 50. And we're talking about this. The key here is how can you not be moved? What are some steps that you can take? And we're, we're kind of stuck on this one step here, and that's a good thing. It's important what you put in your eyes and what you put in your ears, that will affect the condition of your heart. Very important. I could, but I won't. I could stand up here and say things in the name of God and produce and, and release fear. And I've heard it happen. I've been in meetings where that's happened, where I, people release fear, not even knowing it sometimes, and people become afraid. Okay? That is not the right thing to communicate. That is not the right thing to do. Because when God shows up in any situation, regardless of what it is, He never gives you a hopeless feeling. He never says it's too late. Never. Never. Even at funerals, Jesus shows up and messes up all the funerals. Amen? Amen? But you know, in Isaiah chapter 50, Isaiah was prophesying. He lived approximately 500 years prior to Christ becoming flesh. So he was prophesying about the future. He was prophesying here specifically about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see this in a second here. But in Isaiah 50 verse 6, it says, I gave my back to the smiters. Who's that sound like? Jesus. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks they plucked out the hair. I hid not my face from shame and from spitting. Now, who's that talking about? That's a messianic prophecy about Jesus. Notice that he gave his back to the smiters. Because by his stripes we were healed. Oh. And he says, For the Lord will help me. Therefore I shall not be confounded Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that, that I shall not be ashamed. Amen. Okay? Wouldn't you say that Jesus was not moved? No, he knew what was going to happen. He gave his back to the smiters. He gave it. And they plucked out his beard, and they spit on him. And we read about that in the four Gospels where that actually happened. Okay? Folks, nobody has ever experienced more rejection no human being on this earth has never have been more rejected than Jesus Christ. Not only was he rejected by people, God turned his back on him too. It says he pleased the Lord to bruise Jehovah for our sake. Amen. And Jesus, the only way, you think about it, how in the world could he endure all that hardship? 
The Bible says he endured the cross with joy. Go figure that in a book of Hebrews. He endured the cross with joy. How could he endure the cross with joy? The only way he could endure the cross with joy was he had his eyes on something other than what was presently going on. Amen? See, we have to have the ability to see beyond the present. And that's the only thing, folks, that's the only thing that will keep you motivated. That'll, that's the only thing that will keep your head on straight. And that's why people mess up and they give up and they quit because they're looking at the present rather than what's up ahead, what things that God has in store for us. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit will give you a preview of coming attractions. I never said that before. Because he will show you things to come. And while you're in the midst of a situation, I know what I'm talking about a little bit, but when you're in the midst of a situation, you're facing hardship and trial and testing, you know what I mean, and you want to cave in, you want to give up, you know, the Lord will give you a glimpse about your future. Now, I'm not talking about heaven, I'm talking about on the earth. And the Holy Spirit will talk you into victory. Now, people, demons and evil spirits will talk people into discouragement. But the Holy Spirit is the most, listen to me, He is the most positive spirit in the earth today. It always has been, always will be. And the way that He deals with you and the way He deals with me, it almost sounds too good to be true sometimes. But the fact is it's true and it's good and it's the Holy Spirit and He knows what's up ahead. Amen. And he'll say things to you in, in your spirit, in your mind. You'll hear it in here. Not, not audibly per se, but you'll hear it in your spirit. I've got you covered. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Don't sweat this. There are times, sometimes you get under a panic. You know, something's going on in your life. And you're like, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, if you inquire of the Lord, he's right there. He's not out there somewhere. He's inside. He'll say, just hang on. It's going to be all right. Hold your peace. Rejoice. It's going to work out. Has anybody ever had that happen to you before? He's had, I've had that happen. I can't tell you how many times. And I was faced with something like, whoa, that looks pretty bad. Some bad news or something, you know. But then you listen in here. I think that's the cutting edge difference today with believers is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit minute by minute during the course of a day. Because you're going to go through each week. There's a set of challenges, things. I'm not prophesying that, but it's just being in the world. Something will happen. You'll get a phone call. You'll get a message. You'll get a test message or something, you know. Or you'll hear something that will kind of disturb your heart. Kind of ruffle your feathers, right? It could come from a family member. It could come from the news media. It could come from any source, right? And, but when you hear something like that that produces fear, that agitates you in your spirit... There's another voice called the Holy Spirit that's inside of you, and He will speak to you if you open up. Think about it. The Scripture says in Hebrews, I think, three times, today. Say today. 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 Not tomorrow, not last week. He said, today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the wilderness, in the temptation. All of us have the ability to harden our hearts, but we don't want to do that. I don't want to harden my heart. Now, I do want to harden my heart to the voice of the devil. That I don't want to harden my heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you. I really believe I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit right now, by the Lord. 
is that, that whatever you're involved in right now, right there in that situation, ask the Lord, Father, what do you have to say about this? I know what this is telling me. I know what they're telling me. But what do you have to say about this? And I guarantee it. Now, you may not hear with these, audible, with these ears here physically, but in your spirit, you hear the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus said that. My sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they're not going to follow. Amen. 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 Say, I hear the voice. Of the good shepherd. And again, when he talks to you, it's always 100% positive. It's not negative. Hallelujah. But I think if we're, like I go, going back to what I was going to say, if, if we're going to be successful in these last days that we're living in right now, we have to learn, and I believe we are. I believe we are. And I say that confident because I, I don't want to give the impression that you're not hearing I believe you hear the voice of God. And He is very, very positive. And He believes in you more than you believe in you. But it's vitally important that we listen to what He has to say because He will talk you. He will always talk you into victory. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, you look at Jesus here. He, he said he gave his, bike to, his back to the smiters. His cheeks were plucked out of hair and he hid not his face from shame and spitting. But he said this, I set my face like flint. What's that? What does that mean? That means he was not distracted. Now everybody here, you're familiar with horse racing. Okay. I'm not advocating that you go out and put some money down on a horse or anything like that. But <laughs> then I'm saying, you know, you don't have to play the lotto and you don't have to do this to get money. God can prosper you. That's just a hit and miss type thing. God's not into that. He's not into hitting and missing. He wants to bless everybody. Amen. It saddens my heart sometimes. You go into a grocery store and you'll see a line of people waiting to buy their lotto tickets. And most of them are senior citizens. It's a sad thing. It doesn't have to be that way. Most of which will never win anything. He's just taking their money, just text, just like the devil, just taking their money, leading them by the nose. Amen. But, you know, horses, for example, on, on a racetrack, they wear these little cups on the side of their eyes. You ever see that? He yeah. said, what is that, a fancy pair of sunglasses for horses or what? No, they're, they're called blinders. I believe they're called blinders. And what it, it does is it takes their focus off what's on this side and on this side, and they're looking only straight ahead because it blocks, it blocks I thought about buying some of those for all of us. <laughs> Just kind of wear them around. And those, those, what it does is it keeps that horse, that racehorse, that thoroughbred focused on what's only in front of them, not what's on the either side. Okay? Now, recently, you know, they just had the Daytona 500, you know, in a horrific accident. And the guy supernaturally came out of that that wrecked, you know. But uh, I heard this many, many years ago. You know, I don't know how many. It's probably been over 20 years ago. They were interviewing somebody about, and I heard this about these race car drivers. And, you know, when you're watching it on film and you're seeing it on television, it doesn't look like they're really going that fast. But now they put cameras inside the, the cars, you know, and they, and I mean, they're shaking like a leaf. They're like, like this. I mean, just because they're going like 200 miles an hour, okay, with NASCAR, 200 and some miles an hour. I mean, think about that. And, and I mean, they are booking, man. They're flying pretty, really fast, you know. And people say, oh, I could just do that. I could jump in that car and do that. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot harder than you think. Because if it was easy, everybody could do it, right? 
But um, they're going at such a rapid speed, and they're always, there's always two corners they have to turn, okay? And, uh, and they've, they've been trained to look ahead of, uh, when they're driving at that speed, to look where they're going, not where they're at. And there's these walls, okay, that they have for good reason, you know, to protect themselves and protect people. And any time that they've gravitated and wrecked into the wall, that's because they're looking at the wall. At that speed, when you look at the wall, you gravitate towards the wall. And then you can hit the wall. So they have been trained in their training to not look at where they're at, but look at where they're heading. They're looking always one step ahead, where they're heading, where they're going. And that keeps their perspective right. Now, I like that illustration because a lot of times in life, and you're going along, it's easy to look to the right or to the left and see what's there. I mean, but when you do that, you gravitate into that. Amen. Then you have a crash. <laughs> All right, not literally, okay, but you understand what I'm saying. Amen. And so we always have to be looking ahead of where we're going, not where we're at right now. Does that make sense? Amen. Okay, and uh, so Jesus set his face like flint. He wasn't moved by that. And he paid the price. He went through the sufferings. He wasn't distracted, and he paid the price for you and for me to live in the abundant life that we're living right now. Remember John 10.10 says, I've come. Jesus said that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The abundant life belongs to you and to me. It belongs to us. Aren't you glad for that? Okay, so this first step here. How can we not be moved? Keep the Word of God before your eyes and before your ears. Okay, let's go over to uh, this morning here. Let's jump ahead here to Romans chapter 4. To Romans chapter 4. I'm not going to go as long today because of the, the ladies gathering here this morning. Amen. But in Romans chapter 4, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Abraham, who was originally Abram. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, and his wife's name was Sarai to Sarah. You know the story. And, well, let's just pick up in verse 17. Now, we're talking about what you look at and what you see, what you hear, will affect your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no reason today why we can't, now 100% of us that are here today cannot leave here with a better attitude, with a can-do attitude, with a victorious attitude that we, we can do this. We can do this. We can come through this. We're well able, like Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able to go up and possess the land. And the other leaders of Israel that spies said, we can't, we're too big, we're too small, they're too big, you know, we can't do this. Joshua and Caleb said, we are able. Amen. We can do this. We can do this. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. Yes. Hallelujah. Say nothing, nothing. is impossible, impossible. To, me to me if I believe God. Okay, so we're, we're not talking about relying on ourselves, leaning on ourselves. We're talking about looking to God, yes. looking to him. The way that you are, I heard this in my spirit many years ago when I was ministering one time. And uh, 
And the Lord shared this with me personally. He said, he said the way that you feel, the, the way that the current feeling that you have right now is a direct correlation to the thoughts that you're entertaining in your mind. If you feel depressed, for example, there's some thoughts that are going on here that you shouldn't be entertaining. Okay? Now, some, I know sometimes there's physical reasons why people are depressed, you know, but more often than not, more often than not, it's because we've allowed thoughts and feelings to become a stronghold in our way of thinking Amen. that we don't want to deal with. Sometimes we just don't want to deal with certain things. But you have to. Or it's try, it tries to destroy you. It tries to destroy your, interrupt your life, intercept your life, and mess up things that are going on. Yeah, you're living on this earth. You're breathing. You're eating. You're drinking. You're sleeping like everybody else. But you're not living the abundant life that God wants you to live. And a lot of it has to do with what type of thoughts are we entertaining in our mind. Amen. Thoughts of feelings of discouragement. Thoughts of feelings of you're, not, you're never going to have that or this isn't going to happen to you. You know, And the enemy tries to paint a bleak picture of your future and what's happening there. We've got to deal with that thing. We can't just idly let it happen in our lives. We've got to deal a hard blow to that thing in the name of Jesus. And sometimes I'll be going along. I'll get some wild thought, you know, weird thought, you know. I know it's not me because that's, I'm, I don't think like that. But you know that Brother Hagin used to say, he goes, the most holy saint of all walking on this earth can have bad thoughts in his head that his heart regrets. Amen. That doesn't mean that you're the one coming up with that thought. Are you with me now? Yes. You can have a bad thought about yourself. You can have a bad thought about another person. You can have thoughts of harming other people or things like that. Right? That's not your thought. That isn't your thought, right? So sometimes, you know, when that happens, you've got to just say, nope, that is not my thought. I'm not signing for that package. Somebody might knock at your door and you have to sign for the package. Well, you don't have to sign for that package. Some negative thing comes your way. Amen. Amen. Does this make sense to anybody? Yes. See, I believe what the Lord is doing is He's, he's exposing how the enemy operates. Okay? Amen. One of the ways that, one of the best things that, you know, to defeat an army, if, if there's a country that's at war with another country, so forth, the best offense is a good defense, to know your enemy, right. to know what they're thinking, to know what they're planning. And the Holy Spirit will show you what the enemy's trying to do ahead of time. He'll show, show you... His, the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, our schemes, our strategies. We're not ignorant of his devices. We know how he operates. Okay? There's nothing new under the sun. He's still the same devil. has been around for thousands of years. And he uses the same type of thing to, to affect generations in the 1700s, the 1600s, the 1500s, 70 years after Jesus, and even today. Okay? And the primary thing that he tries to do is he tries to bring a thought, a negative thought your way. But sometimes you just have to say out loud, no, that's not my thought. Amen. Hey, have you ever told someone to shut up before? Oh. Let's, not let's not raise your hands, okay? <laughs> say, shut up. You know what I'm saying? At some point in our life, we've all done that, right? Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Well, we need to tell the devil, shut up. Amen. That's a lie. That's not the truth. No, I don't listen to that. 
He's a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said that. Praise God. I told you we're not living in days where you can be wimpy or Casper Milk Toast, as they say. These are not days where you can be weak and make it spiritually. You can't. We've got to be strong. And that's one of the things I believe God's called this church. I don't know what other people are doing. That's none of my business, but I don't know what he's called us to do. And I tell you, God has called us to, be a, uh, to understand how to function in the word of God and also how to flow with the Holy Ghost. Because it's imperative in these last days to be successful. To not just have a, you know, a popular form of Christianity, but you know, you're suffering all week long. Okay? There are people that are in Christ, they're Christians, but they're name only, you know, but they're not really living the life. They're not really living a victorious life. Okay? They might go to church. They might have the bumper stickers and the t-shirts and everything else. But that's not what makes you powerful in this world. It's knowing Jesus and knowing the Word and knowing the Holy Spirit that makes you a threat to His kingdom. Amen. That's what He's called us to do. Not kick out the Holy Ghost. Do you know how many people of churches have kicked out the Holy Ghost said we don't need that anymore. We don't need the Holy Ghost. We don't need the, the gifts of the Spirit. We don't need tongues anymore and all this kind of stuff. Are you kidding me? That's like kicking Jesus out of the church. That's a precious gift that God gave to the church. Amen? Now I've noticed in the last several months that, that the, spirit of, the spirit of prophecy is, is, is it's grown more and more and more. And it's not like I'm asking for it. I'm not asking God to do that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, uh, Lord, will you prophesy today? I'm not, I'm not even asking that. But I think that the more yielded we become to Him, the more we become a vessel for Him to speak through us. Okay? And I never, ever, ever, ever come to the service thinking I have a prophecy today. You know, what's prophecy? The simple gift of prophecy is speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort in 1 Corinthians 14. And when, when he speaks like that, that's what it does. Now the Bible says, you know, despise not prophesying. He actually wrote that because when you get filled with the Spirit of God, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to have something to say. <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to have something to say. But it's going to do those three things, edify, exhort, and comfort. It's going to bring that, amen. amen. And so I think that the more yielded we become to him, the more that we can step out and, you know, you can prophesy to yourself in your car driving home today. And I, that's, where, that's where I started. I didn't start in a service. You've got to be kidding me. I started in my prayer closet by myself. Well, pastor, you know, what if I make a mistake? So what? He knows you're going to make a mistake. But just keep yielding to it. Okay? You know, when I first started driving, I hit a few curbs. I made some mistakes. You know what I'm saying? More than once. But it didn't stop me from driving. Amen? Isn't that right, Pastor Lynn? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, when you step out into the things of God sometimes, you start out in your own prayer closet. You start out, you know, in, in yielding yourself. You know, say, how could I ever be used in a service? Start out in your prayer closet. Start out in your own home. And you'd be surprised. You'd be praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, singing whatever you do, worshiping God. All of a sudden, you feel prompted to say something. Well, just release it. Release it. Hallelujah. And you'll be surprised that the more you yield yourself to that, the more fluent, the more proficient you become with that. Okay? 
Because uh, the Bible says, despise not prophesying. Amen? Okay, we're over here in Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. And uh, we'll just go as far as I can here today, okay? Praise the Lord. Verse 17 says, As it is written, I have made thee, talking about Abraham, the father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, he considered not, notice this, Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now notice this, verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Notice the next part of that, giving glory to God. Would, uh, how would you like to qualify for being strong in faith? Anybody here like to be strong in faith? Would you like the Lord to look at you and say, My son, my daughter, you're strong in faith. Well, that's not up to God. That's up to us. Notice it says, and being st- not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. He staggered not of the promise of God through unbelief. That was strong in faith. Notice this, giving glory to God. Now, let's, let's talk about this in a nutshell here today. Here's Abraham almost 100 years old, and his wife is just a couple years younger than him. They couldn't have kids when they were younger. She was barren even at, the, 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 at her younger years. She couldn't have any child, let alone when she's almost 100 years old having a child. But something happened. God had a word for them. You might say God had a prophecy for them. <laughs> okay? They had a word of the Lord. The, words, the word said the, that He changed their names, meant from Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. Okay? Because He just believed what God said. And Sarai's name will be Sarai to Sarah, which meant princess, mother, queen of the nations. And the Lord gave him two examples to look at. By day, he said, you'll see the sand granules on the sand, on the seashore. He said, if you can count those, that'll be the number of your descendants. And by the way, at nighttime when you're looking up, see God works by night, works by day, and he gives you something to look at. When you see the amount of stars that are up there, and back in those days, that's before they had electricity and stuff, so you could really see a lot. A lot of times city lights will drown out the this, this sky, you know what I'm saying, because of the lights and so forth. But there's billions and trillions of stars and so forth that are up there. Okay? He said, if you can count those, that'll be the number of your descendants. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay? Now, Abraham refused, I put down here, he refused to look at his body and the age of his body And also, he refused to look at the deadness of Sarah's womb. So, what did he look at? Now, when God said Abraham, that meant father of many nations, okay? Now, God changed his name before they had children. God changed her name before they had children. What's going on here? The Lord's trying to change their image, their inward, the way they saw themselves. So when he said, heard Abraham, now he's, he's hearing father of many nations, father of many nations, father, positive. Say positive. positive. Remember I said the Holy Spirit's really positive, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Now, in their younger years, they couldn't have any children. But God comes along, intervenes, and says, you're going to have children. Many. Okay? So, here's a process that they started to work through. And it didn't happen all at once because Ishmael came along, you know what I mean? And something's working, right? <laughs> Ishmael came along and, you know, and she suggested that, that Abraham lay with her maidservant Hagar, which was not a good move. That was not, that's where the, the, that, that nation came out of, okay? And it's always, you've got the promised child fighting against the, 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 uh, the other, the child of the flesh, the child of the spirit, Ishmael, okay? Well, we won't get into all that, but what, I'm, what I want to show you here is this, that, that Abraham did something that you and I can do. I don't want this to just be a history lesson and say, well, look at what happened to Abraham. Look what happened to Sarah. We don't want it just to be something from the past that we can glean from and say, well, that was nice. That happened to them. But there are certain things we can glean from this in, that, in Romans chapter 4 that you and I can function in today that will cause us to overcome in areas that we're barren in. Okay? And so you can see right here in verse 19, let's look at that again here in closing today. In verse 19. And being not weak in faith, see you can be weak in faith or strong in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Notice that. He didn't consider his body being about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he did not consider the natural, he considered the promise. Okay? In the natural, there's no way they were ever going to have children. There's no way. They're not, they're past the age of childbearing. But you know, you do a little research and find out about Abraham, you'll find out that in Abraham and Sarah that God actually reversed their age. In fact, Abraham was concerned that other men were going to be checking out his wife. Do you remember that? Now, how many, stop and think about how many women you know that are near 100 years old that you're concerned that other guys are going to check her out? (laughs) Now, the book of Psalms 103 says, He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yes, we're going to age, but we can age with grace. We don't have to lose hearing. We don't have to lose our limbs and lose this and lose that. Okay? It was said of Moses at 120 years old that his natural forces abated not, neither was the eye. His eyes were dim. He didn't need bifocals, okay? In fact, he climbed a mountain to go home to be with the Lord. He climbed a mountain Amen. at 120 years old. Mm-hmm. Stop and think about that. Sometimes when you say that, I, I, people think, oh, come on, Pastor Keith. How many people do you know that are doing this? How much, can you just show me one? Well, you don't have to worry about that because if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen to you. Amen. It ain't going to happen to you. If you don't believe it, you can get old like everybody else. Amen? Amen? I'll be 60 years old at the end of this month. Okay? But you know what? I'm just getting started. Okay? I've got many more years ahead of me 
that I'm going to fulfill God's will in my life and see many good things happen. We're just getting started. That right. I've, I've got buddies and friends that I graduated with from high school. Man, they gave up in their 40s. I talked to them. I said, man, you know how it is when you get our age, you know, and I'm like thinking you're 45 years old and you're feeling like you're 100 years old. Something's wrong with this. But see, the world has its way of interweaving that stuff in. You know, at your age, this happens. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't have to lose your eyesight, lose this, lose that, lose your strength. No, granted, there's a natural side to things, too, that you've got to exercise. You've got to eat right. Okay? You don't want to put garbage in your mouth and expect to be healthy. That's just common sense. You don't want to live on sugar. You're going to kick that out the door. Amen. Candy and sugar and pies and cakes and all this. Don't forget. You're not going to be healthy if you eat that stuff all the time. I'm not saying you'd never eat it, but I'm saying if you live on that stuff, you set yourself up for physical problems. Okay? So just use common sense. But he says he satisfies your mouth with good things. That's how you're talking. What you say. What you say. About yourself. I say all the time, my youth is renewed like the eagle's. I say it all the time. I'm being renewed like the eagles. And I, I do my part. On my part, I exercise. I eat right for the most part. I'm not perfect, okay? But I do my part. Now, if you don't work the physical body, if you're just sitting down all the time, you know, I mean, you're not going to have the strength. You can get injured a lot easier. But that's, that's why, you know, use your muscles. Walk. Do whatever you have to, whatever you like to do, Okay? But the more important thing is, is begin to say with your mouth, my youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Glory be to God. Now, we're going to have to stop here because of time. I certainly didn't finish it. We'll pick it up next week. But I want, to, I want us to learn from Abraham today because uh, he had a promise. He had a word. Just like you do, you have a word too. You have the word. You don't have to wait for a word from heaven to speak to you. you got the written word of God. you got your Bibles. And that's just as important as a, as a visitation from God. Amen? Amen. Say, my Bible, my Bible is, God is God speaking to me. Speaking to me. <laughs> just, as if just as if Jesus appeared to me. It's just as rich. You have the word of the living God. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We're so thankful that you've given us the word. The word of the living God. The precious living word of God. And today, Lord, we want to thank you. We embrace. We receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls and renew our minds in these areas. And I just release supernatural hope over every person in this room right now. That where, they, where people have been tempted to give up and cast away their confidence and so forth, that Lord, that will not be the case. There will be strength. There will be renewed strength in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.